and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 41st episode of the podcast for the week of February 18th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back one of my dear friends, San Diego-based professional astrologer and philosophical muser, James David Wade, to join me in a discussion on Pisces season and the Virgo polarity. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the front page of my website. So if you are not one for subscriptions, there is also an option to donate there as well. You can find that at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astral report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the fires of Leo as she nears her maximum brightness and waxes forward towards our full moon at zero degrees Virgo early on Tuesday. She then starts her waning cycle in the earthy mutability of Virgo, where she will remain until moving into the balancing air of Libra on Thursday. She hangs out in this social realm of the scales until moving into the passionate waters of Scorpio on Saturday, and where she will swim about for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it is quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right. Well, this week we have a Mercury week before us. Mercury is making the rounds uh, with a conjunction to Neptune, a square to Jupiter, two sextiles to Saturn and Pluto. And, you know, life is just going to be moving a bit faster and we may twist and turn this week. And that's not all. We also squeak into Pisces season first thing and then immediately have a full moon at zero degrees Virgo. Um, So that's going on. And then if that's not enough, Venus is also getting an intense uh, transaction with her conjunction to the Lord of the Underworld, Pluto. So there is the potential of stirring up uh, relational or, you know, harmony-inducing storms. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Leo, and she will make a trine to Jupiter. This is also President's Day, so many of you may have the day off if you are here in America, or you might not because we don't always get days off, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it is a holiday. And so there are a couple things that are happening on Monday. We have the sun moving into Pisces. We have Chiron moving into Aries. uh, And we also have Mercury making a conjunction to Neptune. And really, we also have Venus conjuncting Saturn, but very early in the morning. And I had covered that in the previous uh, week's podcast, in case you want to go back and take a look at that uh, particular aspect. But it is still being felt as it is uh, perfecting on this day. And so where do we start? Well, you know, the sun moving into Pisces. It'll officially move in at 3.04 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And we've arrived at the last sign in our seasonal go-around of the zodiac, as the mutable waters of the fishes help to wash away emotional debris before we refresh anew for each spring. Now, James and I are going to talk much more on Pisces later in the program, as he is one of my Pisces representatives. Uh, So stay tuned to find out more on on that. Now, as far as Chiron moving into Aries, this is also a notable ingress. Um, much like Uranus dipping into Taurus for a hot second earlier uh, last year, um, Chiron did the same thing with Aries. So we've already kind of got a taste of this position, uh, but it had retrograded back into Pisces. But now it is officially moving into Aries for near a nearly nine-year transit. Um, yeah, we will wait on discussing this switch until next week because I'm going to have Christina Cadill uh, join me in a discussion on Chiron's energy in Aries in next week's guest segment. So stay tuned for more on that as well. All right, now Mercury conjunct Neptune. So... This is an interesting one, especially since this is kind of our Mercury kickoff of all the transits that will be taking place this week. And this transit is very integral, I think, into our full moon that is culminating at this particular time. Because keep in mind, Monday, we're moving towards that full moon, so energy uh, is likely rather high. Um, But Mercury conjunct Neptune. You know, Mercury is our our perception, uh, the way the mind's thinking, how we communicate, information that comes in, uh, transactions, learning things. Um, And whenever we have a conjunction, we have a new cycle where the energies are merging together to become one, uh, and we are, you know, forming an energetic signature. Now, Neptune, Neptune is a tricky little planet. Mercury has its tricks as well, but Neptune, you know, Neptune's not as always so uh, clear-cut as Mercury would like it to be, especially since we have Mercury in Pisces. So uh, our normal, you know, rational, uh, not normal, because not everybody has Mercury in a placement that functions like this, but Mercury likes to be keen, sharp, quick, you know, kind of Virgo, Gemini style. But we're in Pisces. We are swimming around. And Neptune, you know, brings forward more confusion or fog or um, the dissolving of something or boundaries are removed and there's so much space, you know, you feel like you're free floating in a way. But there is that spiritual inspiration and that imagination and creativity that can come out of this, as well as glamour and some sort of spectacle taking place. Um, And so, like we said, you know, this is kind of the start of that Mercury uh, 
just cycle that is just going to round through. <laughs> so a lot of information is going to be coming in, and it may not all be clear. And we do want to note with this particular conjunction that Mercury is also starting his shadow phase for the upcoming retrograde cycle that is going to start on March 5th, uh, and then will end um, at near the end of March with another conjunction to Neptune, and will station there. So we are getting a taste um, of what will be taking place place as far as that Mercury retrograde cycle. And so really the two of these meeting, you know, um, this can be a very imaginative time where, uh, especially for artists, you know, ideas are just coming in and you don't know where they're coming from, but you sense them and they're just magical and fantastical and wonderful. Um, So this can be a very artistic uh, influence. Um, And likely communications are taking place, as any good Mercury transit will do, but communications are likely more subtle um, with the possibility of comprehension being harder when you're connecting with other people. So if you kind of get a lot of the, um, uh, what did you say, or what do you mean, or pardon me, did I get that right? You know, there is the potential for miscommunication because either we don't hear it right or it just doesn't compute as fast as we would like it to, um, because really the mind may just want to veg out and daydream a bit or to escape into a book or a movie, something we can take it to and just let it run hog wild, basically. Because, you know, the mind is letting go of its grip and is more of a kind of an open and receptive influence, which is what brings in those subtle energies and and possibly uh, psychic impressions right now, where we just sense things, but we can't be clear on why we sense that. And that might be some of the struggle with the Virgo full moon. Um, but we are going to be intrigued by what is unseen or maybe even a cult, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already like that. (laughs) So just expect things to be unclear or possibly confusing, yet a little daydreamy with a lot of, uh, imagination taking place. Um, and like I said, this is key to that Mercury retrograde transit that's coming up. Um, so see what you're, what's on your mind and kind of what you might be imagineering for the future, because that might be another nice part of this uh, transit is just looking at the ideals that we hold um, for what is next. Because what we intuit now actually might be revisited again at the end of March. So the bottom line for Monday is, is that uh, emotions are passionate as Luna moves through the lion's territory and that trying to Jupiter has us inspired for what is on the horizon. It's likely to be a warm day full of heart, yet there is also a dreamy vibe in the air that holds no limits with that Mercury-Neptune conjunction. So the ability to test where the line is is not necessarily here today, yet that may be the best thing as we let our imagination soar into what is possible. Romance may be swirling about as well, so show some affection to the ones you love. Now, on Tuesday, we have Mercury making a sextile to Saturn and a full moon in Virgo, of course. Um, But speaking of our moon here, kind of jump the gun, we do have that full moon in Virgo, which will take place at 7.54 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And Luna will make a trine to Uranus, the opposition to the sun, which is our full moon, and then a trine to Mars. Now, Mercury sextile Saturn. So it's interesting. Conjunction to Neptune, which is not very sharp at all. And then a sextile to Saturn, which is wanting to get practical and and sharp about things. So we can see we have some interesting transits uh, kind of folding together. 
Um, and sex tiles, we have to we have to jump on them. So you know, it, they open the door, they give us an opportunity, but we also have to take it in order to uh, make some progress. Otherwise, it just kind of floats by. And Saturn, Saturn's all about structure, responsibility, commitment, authority, uh, consolidating things, thinking about the long term, organizing our lives, you know, those types of things. And so this is an interesting addition to that, you know, conjunction with dreamy Neptune. But we have the ability to kind of take that imaginative force and pair it with the down-to-earth practicality of Saturn. So I think that this one also favors uh, people that are artists um, or creators because making real the creations that are arising from that, you know, Neptunian void that holds no bounds, Saturn can help us do that. So this influence does favor details, precision, concentration, yet I think with Mercury in Pisces, it won't be as cutting of an influence um, with Mercury in the sign. So we may not do those things per se, or we might want to, but they're still a little challenging. But ultimately, the mind is serious, yet in a way that is productive, um, making this a good time for to have, you know, kind of down-to-earth talks with other people, or especially if you have to have a touch of compassion or empathy for those that you are going to be communicating with. Now, that full moon at zero degrees and 42 minutes of Virgo. So we have another lunation at zero degrees of a sign. So this is the fourth full moon in a row that has happened at the beginning of energy. Uh, And we have one more to go next month that will be taking place on the equinox. So I just find that fascinating. Um, And James and I will be talking about the full moon as well as that zero degree placement uh, in the upcoming segment. So I'm going to leave that for, you know, when you get to that part of the show. Um, But I also have a detailed article on my astro blog over at energeticprinciples.com where you can read more about it there too. But in the meantime, uh, you know, take all that I'm saying this week, particularly about Mercury, because that will be the full moon ruler since it's in Virgo, and and blend that influence together. You know, see what that kind of looks like um, for you and paint it all into a big picture because that's really what's culminating during this full moon. Um, And also, I have my uh, Moon Animal Monthly uh, that was uh, put on my Patreon page earlier on in the month during our new moon. Um, And so I am opening that up for anyone to come look at it. So you do not have to be patron to uh, come peep the offering. But I just want people to see what I'm doing and see if that might be of interest to you uh, if you would like to support the podcast at that $3 a month tier. So go on and check out my Moon Animal Monthly uh, that will be in my Patreon feed at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, so the bottom line for Tuesday is is that the early morning Virgo full moon will confront the mind with details and discernment, and with that last trine to Uranus before the full moon perfects, we are likely to download a thought or an idea that helps to fix a problem or rearrange our emotional understanding of what may have been an issue, for we now see what is necessary for evolution. The trying to Mars throughout the day will allow us to work steadily and get done whatever projects are on our plate. And so there is a more practical influence with the Virgo moon and Mercury in a sextile to Saturn. So use this energy to, you know, TCB, take care of business. Or as I like to say, GSD, get shit done.
Now, on Wednesday, we do not have any uh, aspects uh, taking place, but of course, we're going to feel the overflow of what's happened earlier in the week. We have the moon still in Virgo, and oh my goodness, she is going to oppose Neptune, trine Saturn, oppose Mercury, trine Venus, square Jupiter, and trine Pluto all in one day, or at least here uh, in the U.S., And Holy Moon Day, that is a lot of planets getting triggered by the moon, including Mercury and Venus, you know, and these are the transits that are taking place this week. So I think a lot of the transits are going to meld into this middle part of, you know, on hump day. And so there are likely to be details, news, and communications coming in today that push the story forward, especially in the area of uh, of certain transitions that are taking place, because this is a mutable sign. And so big changes may be on the horizon at this time, and the day is likely to go by fast and feel like probably many days rolled up into one as the moon contacts all these different planetary influences um, in succession. And so Also, you might want to pay attention to dreams in the morning as they may be providing clues into what is seeking to be cleared out from your life. So keep uh, keep alert out for that dream life early Wednesday morning. Now, on Thursday, same thing. We don't have any aspects uh, perfecting that day, but we do have the moon now in Libra. And she actually is making no aspects either because she made every single aspect the day before. Uh, so the bottom line for Thursday is, is that no aspects are taking place because the moon used them all up yesterday. Um, but emotions are seeking balance as the first day of a Libra moon usually shows what is off kilter and is in need of adjustment. So we are seeking harmony and peace, whether that is in our inside world or the outside world. And relationships are likely to take center stage and sociability will be up as we talk out recent events with the people in our lives because Libra is a very social energy. Now, on Friday, uh, the moon is still in Libra, and she will make a square to Saturn, a sextile to Jupiter, and then a square to Venus and Pluto. And also that day, we have Mercury squaring Jupiter and Venus conjuncting Pluto. So Venus and Pluto are the hot spots today on Friday. And really, the day is surrounding it, but especially this day since we have moon contact going on. So now let's look at Mercury square Jupiter first, because once again, you know, Mercury news, learning, communicating, information coming in, perceiving, all those things. And squares are bringing some type of action or challenge or events, you know, things are moving when a square happens. And sometimes it can be kind of tense. Uh, But where is it moving? Where are we going? And that's Jupiter. We are expanding. We are growing. We are moving. And so, you know, We get news of where we're pushing forward here. Uh, And I think part of what this might mean, um, especially with Jupiter and Sagittarius, is we may be challenging our beliefs with what needs to be, uh, you know, kind of let go to move forward, especially with Mercury and Pisces uh, and Mercury having uh, and Pisces having that release aspect, especially since it's still in conjunction with Neptune. Um, so we might be looking at, you know, what our beliefs look like and how that is really serving us uh, moving forward. Because we are going to be concerned about moving forward, uh, because this aspect is when we are looking at the future and formulating plans. And it's quite possible that we'll hear news of future developments that were just notions earlier, but are now uh, being put into motion. Or we may be doing that ourselves. 
Um, and with both planets sitting in mutable signs, we are likely to be looking at changes and transition, possibly letting something go for the future. And we have a wider view uh, of our lives at this time, you know, because Jupiter blows things up and Mercury in Pisces, you know, there's no limits there either. And so we are, you know, getting a good bird's eye view, but we might also still miss some of the details if we pull too far back, you know, not being able to see uh, the trees in the forest, basically. We just see the forest. We can't see the, the details. Um, so we might not know the specifics here. So just be careful to not let things go overboard, whether it's in our own plans moving forward or if it's in our communications with other people because there is that uh, pushing of the boundaries. Um, now, Venus conjuncting Pluto, this is big news. Uh, Venus is our relationship planet uh, where we open up in life and how we cultivate balance and harmony. Um, what is, entices us and attracts us, what we find value and worth in. Well, that is coming together in a new cycle uh, with that conjunction to Pluto. And Pluto is all about transformation and, and tackling intense, deep emotions or situations that may be uncomfortable but are needed because they are trying to change and purify something. And so we are likely going down the rabbit hole to never return in that particular place again, but we will pop up on the other side, hopefully refreshed and transformed. Now, these two meeting together, love and relationships are probably going to take a serious and intense turn. You're going to be discussing um, maybe difficult things, uh, intense things, maybe big changes that you're seeking together. Or if you're not in a relationship, you know, there's how your own approach to these things or finding balance in your life and in working through that. So it doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not, because relationships are also our best friends, our family members, our, our uh, coworkers. You know, there's many different styles of relating. So you can expect partnerships, especially since the moon is still in Libra, to be rocking at this time. Um, there is the potential for insecurity, uh, jealousy, or possessive, possessiveness may arise with others. Uh, we may need to watch for manipulative tendencies in the moment. We're trying to, uh, you know, just in put our influence on things uh, that might not be necessarily the right thing to do, or we might find ourselves in that position where someone is doing that to us. Um, but overall, you know, there may be a mood that can be hard to shake at this time because it's trying to root out any impurities within our relationships um, and how we interact with other people and even how we interact with ourselves and our own personal relationship. And so if those areas are out of balance in, in our lives, you know, that we're going to see that that gunk kind of come up to the surface. Um, and there is a possibility for infatuation at this time, too, because Pluto can bring a more of obsessive quality. Uh, and being in Capricorn, this could be around a particular plan or goal that you're attracted to or that you have for you and your partner. You know, you might be coming together for this um, for this aspiration that you share together. 
And so a new cycle is being started here and the muck might need to be raked out first. So if you find yourself in a dark or intense place, just use this energy constructively um, because, you know, negative approaches at this time may be consequential um, down the road. So we don't want to go, you know, too far here, especially with Mercury square Jupiter. There is that, you know, jumping overboard type of thing. Um, So, you know, but ultimately we are opening up to reworking and redefining worth, you know, what's of value. Because when we redefine those things, we're going to be more empowered to open up and go after um, that in the next cycle. So I want to say that we're kind of calling our power back in or we're attracting our power back to us. Now, on Friday, the bottom line is, is that things may start a bit heavy as a square to Saturn welcomes us into the day. And emotions are serious and not very flexible in regards to whatever duties or responsibilities are lying before us. Yet things lighten up a little bit as Luna makes a sextile to optimistic Jupiter uh, about midday, um, for we know what needs to be initiated in order to, to grow and move forward. And, of course, relationship intensity strikes as we are challenged with making changes for greater balance and opening up to harmony through integrity and truth. Intense encounters are likely to take place, particularly in relationships. So uh, if a storm rolls through, it is doing so in order to start a new cycle. Now, on Saturday, the moon is in Libra, but we'll move to Scorpio very early in the morning. So it's pretty much Scorpio City on Saturday. And she will make an opposition to Uranus, a trine to the sun, and then an opposition to Mars. And so we have our last Mercury aspect taking place this day, and that is Mercury sextile Pluto. And keep in mind, all these Mercury aspects that I just talked about, including this one I'm about to say, are going to be revisited in the Mercury retrograde. So all these hits are kind of bringing up things to be revisited as we go backwards here soon enough. So once again, we have a sextile creating an opportunity or opening a door uh, to Pluto, which we just talked about, you know, these this transformation that's taking place, you know, purifying deep emotions. Um, and I think that, you know, Mercury sextiling in as Venus had done the conjunction just the day prior, I think these two are really working together in many ways um, and allowing us to have those conversations um, to go deep, you know, and to make big changes or to share that with other people. Um, Or we may hear that as, you know, word of situations in our lives that are morphing into new objectives or goals. You know, we hear that from outside of us or we are sharing that with another uh, or just our mind is getting on that page. And particularly with the Scorpio moon, the levity of the Libra moon transit uh, that just took place now gives way to some potentially intense emotional material to come up. Um, So there is going to be that shift from that air to that in intensity of the water for the rest of the weekend. Um, But that doesn't have to be a bad thing because, you know, the mind is essentially opening the door to clear out some things and to solve whatever problems are before us. Um, And if we have the opportunity, you know, it might be a good time to have a deep conversation, uh, especially if you need to share what you're thinking with another person or, you know, maybe sway them to your side, not in a manipulative way, but just to kind of be able to plead your case, especially as Venus conjuncts Pluto as well. 
And so the bottom line for Saturday is that passions are ablazing as the moon saunters into Scorpio and Mercury contacts the lord of the underworld, Pluto. An early morning opposition to Uranus is likely to have us waking up on the restless side or with a desire to free ourselves or to do something out of the ordinary. And we may begin to feel pretty good as the moon trines the sun in Pisces a little later on in the day, helping to bring inner harmony. Yet not long after, we find ourselves in a conflict uh, with that opposition to Mars. So there is that chance for irritation or impulsiveness later on. So like many days this week, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride that is going on. Now, on Sunday, the moon is still in Scorpio and will make a trine to Neptune, a sextile to Saturn, and then a sextile to Pluto. And thank goodness we do not have any aspects happening this day. I feel like I'm aspected out. Um, But the bottom line for Sunday is, is that emotions are still in the passionate waters of Scorpio. Yet I think the flowing aspects of the day will help mellow things out a bit. We may be in our own little dream worlds as Luna trines Neptune for the first half of the day. Then a sextile to Saturn in Pluto and Capricorn will help bring us down to Earth to stabilize and ground a lot of the week's energy. So that, you know, we can basically start next week uh, with kind of a fresh uh, emotional viewpoint (laughs) as we move ahead. So we are feeling the shifts in energy on a deeply emotional level because Scorpio can be intense. Uh, So do not be surprised if a little sensitivity is still lingering. All right, so to wrap all that up, this week is likely to bring a lot of information our way to sort through, and our perception of the world around us is shifting. The full moon in Virgo illuminates the need for discernment and release, while Venus opens up to the truth of what is real and starts a new purifying cycle with the goal of harmony in place. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra dimension to everything I was talking about. And so this week I drew the Seven of Cups as the focus and the Ten of Swords as the grounding. And with the Seven of Cups as the focus, there is the element of many options on the table this week. And we may be in indecision or confusion as to which one to choose or which way to go. And this could partially be the case because we don't fully understand our true needs at this moment. And something within the soul is still needing to be unveiled. And so I think this really speaks to Mercury conjuncting Neptune and making a square to Jupiter, all of which he will also do with the upcoming Mercury retrograde cycle through Pisces. So we will be dancing over these points, adding new perception uh, each time. And there's also the element of illusion or fantasy when this card arises, suggesting that all may not be clear, or we think we are clear when in fact we are not. It's also possible that a significant dream or vision may come to you at this time that helps to dictate the choice uh, of what is in front of you. So take your time and weigh the options to the best of your ability this week. Now, with the Ten of Swords as the grounding, certain plans may not work out and we could be back to the drawing board, entertaining all the options that the Seven uh, I just discussed holds for us. So battles may be lost and efforts may fall short, and it's quite possible that none of it is even our fault. It's kind of just, you know, things are shifting and and transitions are taking place. So it's more about a cycle of power that is turning over and what is now gone for good and kind of honoring like, okay, I've done that. This is over, you know, because if the conflict ends, you know, we don't need to 
basically the only way the conflict is going to end is if we don't carry it with us further. So we wanted to like get out of any type of melodrama or like holding on to something that is just, you know, had its day. It's time to transition out of that, especially mentally, because we are talking about swords here. So basically accept what is ir- irreparable and set your mind's eye on all the possibilities that the Seven of Cups is now presenting before you. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the badger. When our friend the badger arrives, his incredible tenacity is reminding us to dig in and see something to completion. What is before us is going to take great perseverance and the ability to be patient and not to give up too easily or try to take shortcuts in our endeavors. There is likely to be resistance along the way, yet it is a test of just how determined we are in our journeys. For that dedication to perseverance will be rewarded in the end if we stay reliant on ourselves to be assertive enough to get the job done. And this may not even be relating to something that you are finishing up this week, although that is entirely possible. It can also be about seeing us something through that is very important to you that is going to take great will to succeed at. So set your sights on your objective and remain steady in your pursuit of completion. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, I do a custom spread each week that is centered around uh, much of the aspects that I'm talking about so that you can pull cards so that you understand, you know, how is this going to look like uh, for me personally? And you don't have to know a lot about tarot. You can even use oracle cards if you like. Um, But it is just meant for you to get closer to these energies um, where I am giving these broader perspective. The, The cards will help hone in on the details of it all. Um, And so every Sunday, I release a short video with that custom spread um, and welcome any questions or the sharing of your cards or anything like that. So last week, we worked on being yourself. And this week, we are going to be working on examining life. So if you want to find out more or check out a freebie spread, you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest, James David Wade. Thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Melissa. It's (laughs) it's great to see you again, even though I probably see you way way more often than just uh, once every few months. But uh, it's still a pleasure every time. Yes. we. uh, James and I are actually face-to-face, which is always funny recording the podcast face-to-face because it has a different dynamic and I don't get to do it too often because usually I'm speaking with people that are not in the same town as me. And even then, sometimes it's just more convenient to do it uh, via the web. But since we uh, convene rather often with our philosophical meanderings, (laughs) we are doing this in person. So if you haven't listened to the podcast before or you're a recent listener, uh, you might not know that James has been on. This will be the third time, I want to say. So there's be we've had a couple conversations, and so now he is back as we talk about Pisces season and the Virgo polarity because he is a Pisces, um, among other things. But before we get started here, James, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I totally forgot that I was going to do that. Oh <laughs> so, well, Pisces, yeah, enter the room. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. So a little about myself. I am about 
I'm approaching my second year here in San Diego. I'm from Louisiana. I'm an astrologer and I do energy healing and uh, some spiritual work with people. So I'm not sure what else to say, but I feel like that kind of encapsulates a lot of the things I do. (laughs) I think it does as well. (laughs) If I were to paint the picture of James, I'm pretty sure he just at least summed it up enough for uh, our little background here. But why talk about who we are when we have so much to say about everything else? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we're talking about, well, I thought James would be perfect to come on because A, we, you know, he's a Pisces and you have the North Node in Pisces. What's interesting about James and I both is that we actually have a a reversed nodal polarity. Um, And that happens. People tend to find each other that were born about eight and a half, nine years apart uh, that will share the same nodal axis, but it will be reversed. Like I have the North Node in Virgo, South Node in Pisces, and James has that North Node in Pisces, South Node in Virgo. And so it just kind of made sense that we talk about these things together. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a complementary uh, type of energy uh, in the sense that we can kind of fit together in, in that I see the world a certain way and Mel might be on the other end of it seeing the world a certain way. And it's it helps us to have a more holistic perspective. Mm, yes, I think that's a good word for it. Because, you know, it's, uh, polarities are just that. They ideally want to meet in the middle, right? We're not, we don't want to stay on either end of the axis, especially when it comes to nodal stuff. Um, so it's always, and I think it's a benefit to have people in your life that have that reverse access because we're kind of trying to go to the other side. Um, and through that interaction with one another, we can kind of maybe help each other or like push you or like kind of give that point of view or frame of reference. Right. It helps us to gain perspective uh, on life and everything. And for people who aren't familiar with what the nodes are, the nodes are where eclipses occur. It's the uh, the joint point of the sun and moon as they uh, pass over the ecliptic. And so that's where they meet um, in that pathway. And so uh, just a little reference to what the nodes represent in astrology. Yeah, because it's, it's where that sun and the, the moon meet and those where they cross paths with each other on that ecliptic. Um, and so we'll get into that maybe a little bit later because we're just going to kind of touch on the idea of what the, you know, Pisces and Virgo polarity looks like just in general, like what energies we're working with there. Um, but before we get there, let's just talk about Pisces season in general or like, <sighs> James, what's it like to be a Pisces from the horse's mouth? <laughs> Today or, ah! or yesterday? <laughs> Both. Five minutes ago? Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like that's really a good answer. What I just said was because um, in a lot of ways, being a Pisces means that you are very much in touch with the, the feelings or the sensations of everything. And you can get very connected to all kinds of different sensations or feelings or emotions or experiences within the collective um, soup, like Mm. you said earlier, of the universe. And so I think that one of the most important things for anyone with a lot of Pisces energy is to to remember to uh, say to themselves, when they're feeling something, is this mine? Mm. That's been really helpful for me uh, in realizing some of these Piscean things is that 
not everything that I'm feeling or picking up on is necessarily originating from within myself or from my subconscious or something. Sometimes I'm simply picking up on what someone close to me is feeling. Or if I walk into a room, might be what everyone's feeling, you know? Uh, So Pisces is very feeling, is based on sensations and uh, this kind of removal of barriers or boundaries and this joining together of everything in the universe and letting go of a sense of individuality, which is Aries. Mm. So you've done this path of this journey of the individual starting at Aries and you've gone all the way through to the end to, oh, wow, the the true idea of individuality is realizing that it's not really a, a personal uh, individuality among each and every one of us, but a collective individuality as being one whole that uh, is comprised of many parts of which I am one. Mm, yes, that all is one, right. uh, very Pisces uh, concept. Um, and why it can be so hard to like kind of fit, to maneuver the lack of like barrier that is constantly around. And I mean, I I, that's a great answer. All that, all that he just said about Pisces. I, I mean, I even feel that as the South Node because I feel like sometimes those are part of my my weakness. Oh, the strength and weakness. You know, there's strength and vulnerable areas because you know Pisces can be a very vulnerable sign. You know, if you can feel everything around you all at the same time. You know, depending on what it is you're encountering. If that's great joy, then hooray. <laughs> but if you're you know encountering things that are disheartening or um, especially. When when I like look at issues with the world, I'm sure many people hear me talk about my soapbox there on the, this podcast a lot, but I really feel those things. Like I feel despair for these situations that are basically out of my control, but it doesn't mean that the emotional content doesn't still permeate my own, you know, porous <laughs> uh, barrier, basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, totally. I can lie in bed in the morning and watch animal videos on Facebook and just cry endlessly, you know? Um, But I think that, and that's one reason why I don't really spend a lot of time anymore reading the news or getting involved in um, what's happening in the world, not because I don't care, but because I care a whole lot. Mm. And uh, sometimes that's not necessarily that helpful when, when you need to focus on some specific things that you're caring about and that you're wanting to um, emphasize in your life. And so I feel as though Pisces is definitely about that idea of feeling things out and understanding that uh, you are not as separate as you believe you are. In mm. fact, you're not at all, but it's just kind of chipping away at that idea of separateness. Or and, the illusion of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, that is the realization ultimately is that you know, the belief in separation is simply just a belief. It's not necessarily true. Mm, yes. And uh, getting some distinguish, or getting some distinction in those things, realizing that there's a difference between what I think and believe and what's true is a very important aspect of Piscean experience. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, especially, well, because it's, it's hard to, t- sometimes it's hard to tell. Like the, the, the line is just not clear in Pisces. And that's actually the beauty of it because, you know, we get things like empathy and compassion and, you know, we can uh, bring people into this bigger space because there's nothing necessarily pushing it out. But at the same time, 
you know, <laughs> where is where is the line there? So it's good. right. Well, I mean, because some of the some of those things, like in in astrology, you know, the the houses kind of have some correspondence with the signs. Mm-hmm. They're not the same, but there are correspondences in the sense that you can tell that there's a flavor of this there. Mm-hmm. And the twelfth house being associated with Pisces in um, in an Aries first house chart. Uh, like a quote-unquote natural chart, uh, that's kind of obvious in a way because Pisces also deals with things like anxiety, fear, feeling separated, Mm. feeling isolated or secluded, uh, rejected, abandoned. And the real reason, though, for that is so that Pisces can actually discover that sense of greatness within themselves. And so that seclusion comes about in a way uh, and there's a there's a marked difference in in a person if they have a lot of Piscean influence because they're meant to not experience life like most of their friend group or something per se or something like that I'm not saying it in like a haughty you know prideful way it's more like a there's just a distinct separateness that is there that must be experienced by that person so that they can truly appreciate the unity of everything. Mm. Yeah, because if you're always just caught up within everything that's all around you at one time, like, you, it's it's interesting. But, it's, a, it's a weird path. But, but actually, like, you know, after I said that, I was like, well, the best way to truly express that is in just saying that Pisces sees the unity in all things, but the irony is that seeing that and experiencing it separates them from everyone else. Mm, I got you. Yes, because other people are, don't have that lens or that filter exactly. way, way to see the world. And wow, that's such a stark separation that occurs and it can be very isolating. Yeah, which Pisces does not necessarily want because Pisces, it's, you know, any water sign. But Pisces especially wants to merge with something at all times. So, you know, so much so that it sacrifices itself a lot in the process because it wants to be a part of this greater thing, which can be a great thing when we're doing good in the world. But it can be a thing that can, you know... uh, you know, if you're sacrificing yourself for the wrong reasons or whatever. What you just said was really inspirational to me. It like uh, caused me to see something differently that I've never really considered this way. When you said self-sacrifice, um, I just saw it in a different way that I've never seen before. And I realized something. Um, perhaps the idea of self-sacrifice uh, in Pisces merging and becoming everything is in realizing that I can't ever get too stuck on one thing if I want to experience everything that is. And so, therefore, I must sacrifice my sense of self in this moment so that I can have that experience. And that was really powerful for me just now. Oh, good. I like, I mean, his face just <laughs> lit up when I was—and I, was, <laughs> I, you know, I can go on tangents for a while, but I was like, oh, no, something, something's bubbling. Yeah, that was just, like, really profound because of this idea of seeing the positive side of sacrificing one's sense of self. And what that means. And it was like, wow, cool. I like that. Yeah, because there are positive sides to that. I mean, we ha- right. there's a lot of good that be- can be gained by, you know, releasing the self from its agenda. Yeah. Not being attached to, yeah. like, meeting the quote-unquote needs of, like, this part of your ego, right? Yeah. And, well, and that's the thing is, as we get to Pisces season here, we're brought, these things are brought up to the surface. And why Pisces season can be hard for a lot of people, especially if you're not a, 
uh, more of a water personality, or maybe you have a lot of water, you know, like we're talking about extremes on either end because it can be overwhelming emotionally because it's a mutable sign. So in essence, there is a a force of transition that takes place in Pisces and why it is the end of the Zodiac to be rebirthed in that, you know, that spring of Aries that comes for the self is rebirthed forward. And we do that each year in many ways, but Pisces is the winding down. It's that in-between point. And a lot of people have a hard time with it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, some of the symbolism that comes to me with that is thinking of the balsamic moon, of which mm. I also have. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's like that that last little bit before the new moon, mm-hmm. you know, where the moon's like super dark and uh, you can tell that there's just a, an ending and it's a transition into to newness, but there's an ending, and it's a marked ending. Like, I keep using this language about distinct things being distinct and marked. I think that comes with, like, all the topics that we were uh, discussing about how all these new moons, you know, uh, their degrees, right? Yes, all the new moons happening at 15 degrees and all these full moons happening at zero degrees. Right, exactly. All that kind of very pointed. Very much so. <laughs> very obviously pointed. Uh yeah, situations there. But yeah, so it's like that idea of the balsamic moon too and Pisces being like the uh, last sign in the zodiac. So mm-hmm. it's like before you begin afresh, this is the end. This is a time of conclusions, wrapping things up, uh, you know, moving into a new phase, but having to totally release everything else. And that's one of the best uh, or, or most important messages of Pisces is this is time to release all of these mm-hmm. all of these ideas that I've accumulated of who I am and just simply be. And that's where the real beauty comes out in Pisces is whenever I'm willing to totally release everything that I've identified with, then I know I'm truly being myself. Yes, because all the other barriers have washed away. You yeah. know, the sandcastles have washed away. And if there's one thing that James has taught me in our in the process of our friendship, uh, that Pisces... Uh, very valuable lesson is acceptance, surrender, and letting go. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, it's true. You know, like it's, well, it's the, you've spoken on a lot of those topics in the time that I've known you. And it's like, and it's, it's such a Pisces thing because in order to transition, like we're talking about, and then move into that, that new revived space, which Aries can give us, you know, we have to transcend in Pisces. The only way to get to transcendence is to accept where you are, right. to surrender it to sounds, where you are. It sounds like the AA thing. <laughs> no, I, know. So. <laughs> I know. We're, yeah, we're not trying to reform, we're only trying to reform us into this new <laughs> zodiac here, zodiacal year, uh, and then letting go. And so I guess, I mean, I guess the reason I bring this no, up is, nice, is because, I mean, A, give James the uh, kudos he deserves for, you know, putting those little pieces into my head um, that I grabbed onto and have helped me a lot uh, in the in the process. But also as we go through this period now and we're going to be faced with these things, you know, on whatever level that looks like on your life. You know, this for some people, that could be their whole world tra- changing and they're letting go to like magnificently big things, you know, happening in their life. Or it could be just the littlest of things that then create something big down the road because we were able to transition. Yeah, totally. Um, this quote keeps coming to me uh, over and over again, and I and I feel like I really want to share it. It's really paraphrasing, but I haven't actually read the entire book or anything, but I saw this quote, 
And it was from uh, the guy who wrote uh, Conversations with God. Is his name like Neil Donald Walsh? Is that him? Oh, I don't. I know the book, but um, like you, I don't know. The guy's I believe name. that that's who it is, Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, and and he said one of the most powerful things that you can do is it's an exercise, and what you do is uh, spend an entire day or or a few days just looking at everything around you and in your head saying to yourself, I am. And what it does really is it it makes you more aware of how your sense of identity is literally just whatever it is that you think about everything. And it makes you it also makes you aware that any any type of identification we make or judgment we make, and judgment I, I say that meaning Everything that we perceive is a judgment. It's not like a good or bad thing. It's just true. So whenever we do that, though, we realize, oh, so my sense of reality or self is literally connected to everything that I'm judging all the time. Mm. And so the only real resolution to that is to stop doing it. And, and and it's daunting at first, but then you begin to realize, oh, wow, I'm having such a beautiful experience because I'm not thinking all the time. I'm, I'm just simply loving and accepting myself because every time we're thinking thoughts about something or someone, uh, we're not truly like living in that space of quote-unquote love because we're comparing ourselves. Mm. So every time that we're judging anything in life, you know, for good or, good or ill, we're just making a judgment about ourselves constantly. But when you become conscious of that, then you can begin to work with it to make your life a more beautiful and uh, harmonious experience. But however, I just bring all that up because I feel like that's really a, an important Piscean kind of idea that, oh, okay, literally everything that I'm experiencing as a sense of separate me is still just a projection from my own mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that I can ever experience. That's what it is. And so... Just want to throw that out there because that quote kept coming up to me. Yeah, was that his name? Neil Donald Walsh is that what you yeah. said? Yeah, that's okay, that's yeah. his. That's what I was thinking. Um, perfect. So yeah, I just want to. No, throw that that's interesting. Thing. I like that. Well, didn't you say we had a little hymn? Oh yeah, I as do. Well. Yeah, that's right. If we're, we're we're doing a little uh, segue. We're talking about some. Uh, <laughs> what do we got? James has a hymn to Jupiter. Yeah, it's the Orphic Hymn to Jupiter. Because, well, let's just preface how Pisces, you know, is traditionally ruled by Jupiter, just like Sagittarius. Um, modern, they'll they'll say Neptune, and there are some Neptunian flavors to Pisces, most certainly, especially as Neptune is in Pisces, <laughs> so it gets a little extra for these uh, 15 years or so. Um, but yeah, so let's hear let's hear Jupiter's hymn. And uh, this is actually, I'm I'm reading this from uh, Christopher Warnock's site, renaissanceastrology.com, just to clarify and, and uh, for the sake of transparency. So it's the Orphic Hymn to Jupiter. O Jove, much honored, Jove, supremely great, to thee our holy rites we consecrate, our prayers and expiations, King divine. For all things to produce with ease through mind is thine. Hence, Mother Earth and mountains swelling high, proceed from thee, the deep and all within the sky. Saturnian king, descending from above, magnanimous, commanding, sceptered Jove, all parent, principle, and end of all, whose power almighty shakes this earthly ball. 
Even nature trembles at thy mighty nod, loud sounding, armed with lightning, thundering God. Source of abundance, purifying king, O various formed from whom all nature springs. Propitious, hear my prayer, give blameless health with peace divine and necessary wealth. Hmm, I like that. I just kept getting like different images of, well, at the end when you were talking, I don't even know the exact words, but just <laughs> what came into my mind was the idea of Pisces and, and the rains that precede the growth of spring and how necessary that releases as part of that process. Um, that's what that poem, that's where that poem took, took me. <laughs> yeah, it's like a um, very, very powerful uh, hymn. And it's ancient, you know, yeah. the Orphic hymns are ancient. So I don't have the exact dates on that because. Oh, you know, we can't look up that chart and we don't yeah, know I mean, what's I, going on there. <laughs> I mean, I could, you know, obviously Google it, but I'm not. But um, it's, but it's ancient. So it comes from ancient Greece and um, it's really beautiful work. They, the ancient Greeks really had a, Firm, a firm understanding of human nature and the nature of the world. It's actually very interesting that they had such a clear understanding, and yet we're so divorced from that understanding in modern life ah. with all of our technology. Well, and there's always the running joke, especially about you know America is how we we started out wanting to be Greece, but we ended up as Rome. You know, <laughs> no, I've never heard that. You ever heard that no. before? It is true. We started out with those kind of Greek ideals, but the reality is, is that. We're more of a a Roman type of (laughs) concoction here. But um, I forget, it was like somewhere in the middle. We're talking, it was talking about all that is around it. And, you know, in regards to like nature, you know, everything, you know, that, that, that space. Oh well, yeah, that's that's cool. That, that space, exactly. That space, because ultimately everything is just space. <laughs> yeah, and um, because if you burst open an atom, what are you going to have? A release of energy, but it's just space. And so that's like one of the great um, occult truths is that um, everything is really just space. Yeah. And well, and you know what? This is a very mundane realization of that, but it makes me immediately think of Pisces. And James is not an example of this because he has enough Capricorn to not make that so. But Pisces can be known for no concept of time. There is no, you know, there is an idea of procrastination that can happen or, you know, that very extreme mutability where you try to make a like there's some Pisces people that I know. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll say five o'clock, but I know we're looking at five thirty, or we're looking at maybe two weeks from now because I can't make it. I, I'm like, I'm like ten, I'm like ten after, okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're actually pretty. You're I've had pretty to, I've good. Had to, I've had to do a lot at least with of me. conscious. <laughs> yeah, I've had to do a lot of conscious work on it though. Um, which I, like, it's funny, I, I used to not be that way at all. I was early everywhere, and then I just stopped caring because <laughs> I was like, go with the flow. I became more Pisces, and then I'd start being a little late, and I was just like, whatever. Everything is perfect. It's just meant to be. Like, I'll get there when I get there. But then I was like, you know, but there's something really nice and special about honoring other people's time. Yes. Being respectful <laughs> of others and things like that. So eased up on it some. So give myself more slack than I used to, but um, it was a, it was a nice striking balance there. So that's funny. Um, well, it was just, 
it's funny that you come to the realization. And it's funny because I have Saturn and Virgo, uh, which abhors, you know, people not sticking to the plan or like just, yeah, it, it, it would drive me nuts, especially in my youth when people would not, they'd be late or they'd change the thing, like something, you know, and I'm a fixed personality. I got the Scorpio rising, you know, Mercury and Leo. I'm, I'm fixated on a plan and I've had to learn to adjust. Maybe that's actually Saturn who was saying, okay, you know, maybe the details change from time to time and you can't get wound up in them. Yeah, but be flexible. You got to be flexible. And it's so funny because I've gone kind of the other way where here you are, become you decided to honor people's time more. I pulled back and let that space happen so that I didn't drive myself crazy and realize that, hey, maybe there's a reason that this didn't well, come to pass, you know, yeah, in course. this moment. Well, and, and what I was like conveying about myself is that um, it was like, I, I just had a short period of time, which I was like less punctual. Mm. But then from that, I realized that it's not this or that is somewhere in the middle and I have to respect myself and the other person. And there's no need for me, even if I'm running late, for some reason, because sometimes I get really into whatever I'm doing and I lose all concept of time. Like you were saying, I do. I totally just space out and I am in this eternal moment of just... Eternal moment. I like that. Deep diving and experiencing something. And so it happens and that will cause me to be late sometimes. But instead of getting wound up and rushed and all this stuff, I just simply let the person know and their reaction is their reaction. And I'm still not going to get anxious about it. I'm just simply going to get there when I get there. Yeah. And if it happened for that reason, I feel fine with it because I know that it wasn't intentional. And I feel that intentions are way more significant than anything else. Yeah. Because, you know, the intention's good. So that's what matters. And you know what's funny is because the Pisces South node in me has those own tendencies. And that's so probably why I would get irritated with other people. Because when I wanted something to be on time for me, from someone else, you know, they need to be on time. Or say I needed to be on time for something that was really important to me, or that would uh, affect my reputation somehow, like say a job interview, you know, like I'm going to be there on time. But there's little pieces of time or little commitments, maybe with friends, or showing up um, at a show or something. I'm supposed to be at a certain time. But I don't know if you can relate to this at all. But what will happen is I'll be on course, right? I'm totally on course. But then something within five minutes of having to leave the house will grab my interest, will pique my interest, and I will go <laughs> do whatever needs to be done. It doesn't take matter how long it takes I me at that point. You know what I mean? And it's like I was almost there. I was almost uh-huh. there to leave the house. It's some sort of like avoidance. It's thing. like a diversion. It's escapism. Like, it, perhaps. Some sort of escapism. Well, and that's another. Like you don't really want to go. <laughs> okay, in a way, I feel like it's like those little ways we betray ourselves because we don't really want to be doing whatever that is. And so that's our um, subconscious, you know, messing with us and saying, you don't even really want to do that anyway, so why are you lying to yourself? And you'd much rather be doing this or that. I think I just like to be fashionably late. Because part of me is like, well, if I showed up on time, you know, maybe not enough people are there yet. Or, you know, or sometimes I just don't even, I just didn't even care, really. Like, I was, you know, all of a sudden, my top looked, 
you know, maybe like it could be another top or maybe I needed a scarf with it or maybe, you know, like just something would just, you know. Yeah, I guess something about priorities or whatever. And so, um, because I tend to think about being on time as related to priorities and hey, Mm. is this a really a priority to me? And I make an extra special effort to be on time or early whenever it's people like you or other people who I'm very close to because they mean even more to me than this, you know, just anybody. Not that I don't care about people, but it's just, you know, you have priorities. Some people are higher up on the on the list <laughs> uh, than other people. So it's true. We, um, we all play favorites, yeah, so <laughs> as we like, should. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like that's with life. Everything is a matter of like prioritizing um, where we're uh, expending our energy. So, yeah. if it's not really a priority, then it's easy to get distracted by just about anything. I feel like we're touching on the Virgo. Uh, Pisces polarity here, most certainly, you know, because Earth, Earth is what brings us those priorities, right? Like, yeah. grounds it down. Being, to, like, yeah, for it. us, like prioritizing things and saying what's important here, because uh, Virgo is related to like healthcare healers, like doctors, you know, physicians, things like that, and the importance of a knowing what you're looking at, knowing what you're doing. And B, uh, actually addressing the real issue and the most essential thing to address first. Mm. Doesn't matter if someone, like, why someone's gushing blood right now. Like, I mean, okay, so they, they got shot. But the first thing you do is you stop the blood flow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, you just want to stop them from bleeding. Yeah. Number one. And then you can address, like, the cause and all the details and all those things. And so um, I think that that's the kind of the role of Virgo is saying— oh, okay, so what's on my list first? And what's the most important thing, most essential thing for me to address right now and dealing with that? And then Pisces on the other end is just like, oh my gosh, look at look at this experience. I, I, can't, I can't imagine how this person must be feeling right now. This is terrible. And getting into all of the experiences of what's happening rather than dealing with the actual um, details of what's happening. And that's a really good example of that polarity. Um, exper- experiential in the sense of I want to truly understand this experience mm. versus uh, simply being pragmatic about the the experience that's happening. Yeah, I could I can see that. It's like it, it allows you to engage with it. Yeah, because you're trying to like you're trying to identify with it and become it and understand it. Yeah, that's relate interesting. To it. Mm. Well, I like that with the Virgo, the discernment of importance <laughs> in, in the process, depending on what, what that is. Um, yeah, Virgo's over here like, snap out of it, Pisces, Pisces let's go. Wait, come on, what are you waiting for? Let's. <laughs> right. uh, well, and sometimes Pisces does need to snap out of it a little bit, come back down, From come their back down to earth. And then for the other side, with the Virgos, you know, sometimes it's not all about just being here in focused all on reality, taking care of business, being hyper aware of everything that's around you at all times. You know, there is that sense that you need to let go and, you know, it's all got to be balanced. It's all got to be balanced. So you can see the seesaw that we're kind of uh, dancing on with this polarity, which should be interesting as we have this upcoming uh, zero degree full moon at Virgo. So this will be our fourth full moon at zero degrees. Which is so crazy. We have one more to go, which will be our solstice, um, which will be our Aries solstice. Uh, equinox. Our, uh, the equinox. I'm like, what, what time of year is it now? <laughs> yes. 
the spring or autumn, depending on where you are in the world. But for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, the spring equinox will have that last zero degree. Yeah, I know exactly what you were saying. You were, you were really saying... I was like, that, that You were really saying the Aries ingress or the spring equinox. Yes. Right. All those things. All Everything's happening all at once. Just Look at me, like, being off. on top of all the details. What? Where did that, where did <laughs> that come funny. from? Um, well, as we tape this, as Mercury is now in Pisces. <laughs> We're reversing roles, yeah. everyone. <laughs> so, now, this, well, I think this, is, this full moon is going to be interesting because it's, I mean, having, oh, so we basically enter a season. Monday, we enter Pisces season, and then, bam, early Tuesday morning, at least here on the Pacific Coast, we have a full moon. I mean, well, what do you think about that, James? Just like a like the apex of an energy, like a polarity, but like immediately right when we get into the well, and it's been happening. Season. And that's, it's been happening. That's yes. more that's more impressive to me than just this in isolation. Yeah. Uh the fact that it's been happening. <laughs> you know, this is like the what did you say, fourth? To fourth, and we got one yeah. more to go. So there's gonna be like five in the sequence of zero degree full moons. Uh, as the sun ingress, ingresses into a new sign, and I find that incredibly fascinating. Uh, full moons, to say new, yeah. I'm not sure. Full moons. Uh, and so, to me, I'm just thinking about it like, there's obviously some sort of message here yeah. about a new new something and a culmination, a culmination, what I said earlier, a culmination of newness. You know, it's like this idea that this is really, really, really like something new and is happening in the universe and we're feeling something that is fresh. And you can tell that something shifted because I've talked to a lot of people and the heaviness that a lot of people were feeling last year, they're not feeling now. They feel like things are more light, carefree, and joyful, Mm -hmm. which makes sense too because of Jupiter ingressing into Sagittarius. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) And I'm really thankful for that. Uh, but I think that also something to point out is we're going to be having a lot of interesting dynamic exchanges between the sun and Jupiter over the next um, month or so because yeah. Jupiter is in Sag and so the sun's going to be squaring Jupiter from Pisces. and While conjuncting Neptune. While conjuncting Neptune, all those things. And, you know, and just by sign in general. So what might that actually symbolize if we consider the sun square Jupiter? Hmm. And really what I, what I feel that that represents is this idea of um, what, does, what does freedom and truth look like to me? And am I aligned with it? Or am I in a state of experiencing correction and severity because I'm not in alignment with my truth. And I feel like this is a very important aspect that we're going to collectively be experiencing and where this is occurring in your houses, we really uh, would help to further clarify, you know, how this might be experienced. But the gist of it, like I was saying, is aligning with your truth because the sun um, and Jupiter are both connected to the idea of truth. Because the sun is the greatest light in our yes, solar system. it is the light is <laughs> to the us. Light. So it shines a light everywhere yeah. and it reveals what is true. And Jupiter is truth uh, in a very spiritual, uh, liberating and um, essential manner. So those two things are meeting and saying, okay, so what's the truth? And are there any areas of my life in which I'm not aligning with my truth? Mm. And 
so I feel like that's where we're going to be seeing like a bit of tension arising within us, saying, is there anything that's not authentic to who I am? If so, what is it? And how can I deal with it? Yeah. And I think we're going to, that's astute observation because I think we're going to be dealing with that ourselves. And I think we're going to be dealing with that in the world. Totally. uh, Because that's what Christopher Taylor was talking about on last week's podcast. And what he identified as one of the main factors of the Jupiter Neptune square was, you know, this, had the truth being harder to find. Um, But I think, like, as you were saying, you know, just the sun being the force of light for us, and I basically consider all sun transits to be, you know, a a turning of a page or a chapter to some extent. Because once you're conscious of something, you know, um, whether that's a personal thing or, you know, the world becomes aware of, you know, something it needs to see or know, there's there's a turning of a page. You you don't go back from that. so I like that because I think we are going to be illuminated to parts of our truth that are trying to push forward. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get that in the world sphere as well. Because we got to keep in mind that Pisces is a very collective energy like we were talking about earlier. You know, we... So whenever things are happening in, in this sphere, it, it, I think it amps up world events too because it's already an energy that's aligned with like a bigger social, you know, type of... I think that you know it, what I mean? I think that it does it on a more uh, subtle level, mm. like because Pisces is a water sign, it is a uh, quote unquote feminine sign. So what that really means is it's a receptive sign yes. rather than so much a expressive one. Mm-hmm. And um, so, regardless, it's kind of like that idea that. Um, being that it's Pisces, I don't feel like it's so much in your face as as if it were Sagittarius. But, you know, we can see these things manifesting even through the water signs, like in Scorpio, where it's a bit more expressive or assertive. But that's only under certain circumstances, too, because Scorpio tends to be more private. So um, I feel like a lot of us are going to be tapping into deep feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. that we haven't been dealing with or we haven't been exploring or we maybe we weren't even aware of because what else would the sun represent other than the focus of our awareness so wherever the sun is transiting that's where the focal point of awareness is uh, within our own psyche at that moment mm-hmm. so like for me example that's the fourth house and so the sun will be transiting my fourth whole sign house and that represents the past um, from my experience parents yeah. Uh, not just uh, one or the other, but both. Uh, where you came from, transitions and legacies and um, home. What does home mean to me? What do I, you know, where's my place in the world? Roots, foundations, uh, deeper things beneath the surface. So those are all going to be things highlighted for me. That's just a good one example of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you know what house you're uh, the sun is transiting, then it's going to be amped up, which for me, it's going to be double amped up. Yes, because it's just at the bottom of the, you know, it's in, it's touching the. My sun's there and my yeah. node's there, right? Yes. Sun and node conjunct in Pisces is going to be super amped up. Yeah. But luckily, I mean, having the sun there in that darker place of the chart, you're already, you know, fine tuned to be able to shine a light 
on these, you know, hidden matters and these things. That I have are, my moments. Yeah, we all have our moments. Um, you know, that's part of the journey of life. <laughs> so we can have moments <laughs> to begin with. Can you imagine if we had no moments and we were just here and we're just like, boring. oh, we're just uh, just doing our life yeah, thing. It's so just, boring. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah. If so. everything is just like easy and bliss and it's just boring might as well not do it yeah so we'll have a little gratitude for our moments here (laughs) oh but uh i mean i'm pretty excited for me it's in my fifth house and uh you know we'll have a little uh fun and play and get you know pisces is a very (laughs) musical sign um and you know me i love some music i love making music and so i i think that it's gonna be a really perhaps even prolific cycle for me. And I'm excited because we get to have, um, I mean, how many times do I been like excited about a Mercury retrograde? But <laughs> we are having a Mercury retrograde that's going to happen during Pisces season and in Pisces. So basically Mercury is going to make it to the end of Pisces, literally the last, last degree of Pisces. And it's like, no, I'm turning around and I'm going back. And so we not only have Pisces season this year, but we also have that Mercury retrograde in Pisces, which I think is going to take a lot of the uh, significations that James was just saying, and especially in the house relationship, and then are really going to beat those home to some extent because our intellect um, and our perception of that area of the chart is going to be going through a retrograde um, so that it can recalibrate itself basically towards these Pisces energies. Um, so that's why I was saying, like, I thought it'd be good to, you know, especially artists, um, you know, creative folks like myself and everyone's creative in their own way, of course. But if you are a working artist or, you know, someone, uh, who is engaged in these things rather frequently, um, I think it could be a great time to work on old projects because, uh, you know, we, we got this, kind of moving back over things that might not have been that might not have been left finished so that we can finish them up since Pisces is that kind of finishing energy as well and so it's immutable. So yeah, it's kind of like a um conclusion. It's it's definitely a conclusion whereas like like we were talking about the fourth house, um the fourth house is more of a transitionary house and the 12th house which Pisces is associated with is definitely more about conclusions of things, uh, wrapping things up, and it's the end. You know, it's the end. It's the end of the story. This is the end, my only friend. The <laughs> end. Um, it is. It's the kind of the end of the story, and it's so interesting to me that Mercury almost makes it to the end of the story before it's like, nope. <laughs> Hold on. Not the end yet. Not the end yet. We need to go um, back and do some editing. We need to do some editing here. And it's very interesting because our Mercury retrograde is going to basically station, um, if you follow fixed stars at all, it's going to station on the fixed star sheet, which is, yeah, holy right. sheet. Uh, <laughs> we have a station of Mercury on sheet, um, which is 29 degrees Pisces. And it's interesting because that degree in 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 general, is considered a messy degree. So Pisces has had a little bit of messiness to it to begin with. (laughs) There's no boundaries, you know, where it is. There's going to be a little messy, but but it could be difficult, you know, messy and a state of disorder. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that fixed star has significations of um, suicides, drownings at sea, uh, tragedy. 
you know, great loss, things like that. And it's really significant to me because whenever I first found out about this, which that's like the degree of, um, that's a significant degree for me. And, and then, I mean, my father, my father uh, committed suicide when I was young. And I was like, that is obviously symbolic of this because uh, he struggled with mental illness and all these things. And so it was like, wow, that fixed star is like totally 100%. I mean, I, I think that the fixed stars are amazingly accurate and great for understanding uh, the events of life because they have that faded quality. Yeah. They, they definitely offer that faded, uh, you know, stroke of a paintbrush right upon the canvas. Like, this is definitely happening. And it, it's important that it's it happens. A fixed, it's a fixed... Uh, it must, it, it yeah. must happen. There's no flexibility. It must happen. Huh. And then that whole must happen part is because if this doesn't happen, neither can this or this or this. Mm. And yeah. that gives us some, you know, perspective and allows us to... Breathe a little easier because the realization too is if I didn't have all if I didn't have that then perhaps I wouldn't have all of these other things that are very very much things that I love and enjoy and so um, you know they say it's just kind of like a pain and pleasure thing so uh, we wouldn't know all the great goodness in the world if it weren't for the opposite of that and having that experience our ability to experience pain our capacity for suffering is what creates the space for joy to fill it. Yeah. So. Just go back to polarity because if we don't have one, exactly. we essentially don't have that other. So. Right, because you ha- you couldn't, how would you know how to experience great, uh, tremendous joy if you didn't also experience great, tremendous suffering? Yeah. You couldn't because you wouldn't really enjoy any of it. Yeah, either way, you'd be a little dead inside. Exactly. To some extent. <laughs> exactly, it's boring. <laughs> well, you know what's also but. neat about uh, the fixed star sheet? Because it is messy. It does have those things like suicide drownings, you know, the, along those lines. Um, it All fixed stars are, are a combination of a couple planets that kind of uh, show its energy. And this particular fixed star is a culmination of uh, Mercury and Mars together. So if you just want to kind of paint that picture of what Mercury, Mars, you know, working together would look like. Yeah. But one of the one of the plus sides to this fixed star is actually the ability to see out, uh, you know, outside of the box, um, which I think can be a very Piscean quality as well. If you is think it of Pandora's box, <laughs> well, baby. <laughs> well, if you think of Einstein, you know, who's yeah, Pisces, totally. he's, he's, exactly. he, that man thought Steve way Jobs. out of the box. Steve Jobs, Einstein, yeah. Um, so. Oh, yeah. I didn't even bring up that. That's always like my talking point for Pisces. Einstein, Steve Jobs, yeah. me. No, just kidding. Yeah, me, me. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, oh, you're funny. Well, so I find that interesting. So if we have a Mercury retrograde stationing on this fixed star, which can be a little bit messy, but maybe it's also giving us the opportunity to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to go back and have this review period of seeing where we can kind of push the boundary, push the lines, while also organizing to some extent, you know, like getting our heads wrapped around what's, you know, taking place in our lives or in the world, but also being able to push that further and to open up more of like an expansive sphere of kind of feeling or understanding in the process. Well, and also what that speaks to is bringing the, you know, air signs have a great quality of living in their head, but the... And, and water signs have a great quality of living in their emotions, 
But if you can bring that emotional force to the headspace mm. and join those two energies, then you can have things like Einstein or all of these brilliant people, because that's what makes it different, is that capacity to uh, think outside the box, like you said, but make intuitive leaps mm. and tap yes. into your creative potential. And you can't tap into your creative potential simply by uh, living in your headspace. You have to tap into your heart and tap into your soul and get into that deeper aspect of yourself mm-hmm. because they're meant to be joined together. The two are supposed to become one. Uh, you're not supposed to say, I'm going to put this in this box and this in that box. And sometimes I'll have this and sometimes I'll have that. You're supposed to have both together. And that union is uh, what creates the sense of wholeness within you is that realization of, oh, I'm my best self whenever I'm truly allowing myself to to be myself and allow those things to flow and and be enmeshed and partnered and um, cooperate. Yeah, yeah, because that's kind of the the end goal of Pisces, (laughs) you know, to mesh it all into one. Put it all together. Put it all together. See how it all fits. And I like how that you said to take intuitive leaps uh, or leaps of feeling when we just sense something and we feel it on the horizon. Yeah. Especially as you're talking about, like, the sun squaring Jupiter, uh, I think even kind of around the time maybe that— yeah, oh, look close. at that. Close. That's um, I'm sure it's close. It, it's, it's I make really a lot of intuitive close. leaves. <laughs> uh, well, so basically, um, yeah, so Mercury will go retrograde. We'll have a new moon in Pisces the same day that the sun conjuncts Neptune. Um, and, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Mercury. Oh, and then yeah. Jupiter will make a square um, a week later. But I think part of what, you know, those intuitive leaps is that, that sensing and that there's a grasshopper, there's a connection there. But part of the connection in order to really grasp onto it and be able to use it without having things like, uh, you know, self-doubt come in and take a place of that. Because that's a very, that's a reality of Pisces too, trusting is that yourself. doubt and trusting yourself. And so that, of course, brings in the idea of faith. And so I think maybe that's part of what we're, as we look outside of the box, we bring these intuitive leaps forward and still there has to be that kind of faith element to it all. I, I want to say I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, I just have to mention it again, is uh, the idea of faith and what does that mean. And um, there is a Hebrew word. It's the first time that the uh, idea of faith is mentioned in the Hebrew uh, religious text. And it's the word imunah. And the word imunah means to test something to prove that it's trustworthy. Mm. And so faith isn't just simply like um, having a blind belief. It's actually knowing that you can trust something because you put it to the test. Mm. And so that's why it's important for people when they're developing their intuition to put it to the test you know, and see how see how it's doing, right? Is my tuition, intuition truly uh, viable or does it need some work? If it needs some work, how can I strengthen this part of myself? But that's how we actually uh, develop self-confidence and self-trust or faith in ourselves is through developing those aspects of ourselves that aren't quite what we uh, might see as ideal. And so... It's just an opportunity for us to love on ourselves in different areas of our life 
Uh, rather than thinking about, oh, this is a weakness, it's just like, no, I just haven't spent a lot of time, uh, I haven't spent a lot of attention there. So that's why it's not, you know, just flourishing and super powerful experience. And the answer is, okay, let me pay attention to this. Mm. Let me understand myself better. Why is this function this way? Whatever. So um, saying all that, I just wanted to point out that uh, true faith is something that's tried and tried and true, right? Well, it just makes so. me think of, um, as you're talking about that, it makes me think of, you know, the, the great Ronald Reagan quote, which is, trust but verify. <laughs> and that seems like such a, a Pisces-Virgo polarity type of thing, you know? Like, you, you can trust, because that's the thing with Pisces, is that maybe it can't trust some things, but also it trusts so much. I feel like the the Virgo Pisces <laughs> polarity is the opposite of that. Verify then trust. Verify then trust on the other side. Yeah, yeah. maybe that is the that's part of it. Um, oh well, he did say wait, trust but verify. Yeah. So yeah, I ultimately guess we want to trust here, but you don't want to trust blindly. Right. Of and, course. And that's yeah, kind of, definitely that idea. Yeah, and, and you know Pisces, you know they. Certain Pisces or Pisces tendencies, and we got to remember, even if you're not a Pisces or you know your big planets aren't, or you don't have anything there, you still have a part of your chart that is Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you know it can get a little foggy in those areas, or maybe we trust it too much, and then we find ourselves um, being maybe swindled on the other end by you know, another person or by ourselves with our own, like, kind of carelessness, carelessness. And the, you know, if you're not fully verifying and just going off of yeah. blind faith alone. And so there, there's well, that and, ba- and, balance. And right. And that blind faith is really just delusion because you're not basing it on anything. Yeah. So well. you don't have a solid foundation to stand upon. And so then you can't really complain whenever those things happen. Yeah. Um, and that might sound harsh, but it's just true. It's true. And I mean, that's what I had to come to realize. I was like, oh, okay. Can't really be upset that this is the experience because, oh, okay. I didn't actually research this. I didn't actually spend any time figuring out if this was truly uh, what I thought it was, or the person, or whatever. Um, I invested some trust in somebody, and oh no, they didn't. They didn't really live up to those expectations I had in my mind. Well, why would they? You don't even know them, and you just trusted a stranger. And yeah, <laughs> all the all the reality starts to flood yeah. in, and you're like, wait a second, where so, Virgo? Where were you two days ago? You know. <laughs> yeah. So, well, stuff like that. It's just like getting a, a getting in touch with um, the compassionate part of yourself, but also the part of yourself that is concerned with truth, mm. despite what you feel, despite what you think, what is truth, and then accepting it. Yeah, just accepting the truth is such a big deal. I would say for most people, regardless of Pisces. Yeah, yeah. And well, and that's the thing is like, that's the idea of limitless truths. You know, truth looks different for everyone, but sometimes there's just truths that are just truths. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and essentially, like, especially when you're dealing with other people, it's really the most important thing isn't what your truth is about them, but what their truth is for themselves and understanding that. Yeah. So then you know what how that person is operating their life. And sometimes somebody's truth is really, really different from yours. And you may not want to be interacting with them. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that, they're, that it's necessarily bad or wrong. It's just very different. And it can create um, a great deal of conflict, especially internal conflict. Uh, internal, not eternal, but maybe Maybe both. a little bit of both. Yeah, karma, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah, anyway. Well, I think that's a good point just to 
basically what's been going on in the world for the past, like, how many years? I mean, or, or, especially the last two, three years, um, ever since we've had Saturn square Neptune in Pisces, and now we have Jupiter square Neptune in Pisces. And it's so, it's so many people, you see it on Facebook all the time. We're like, oh, I'm going to stop unfollow. I'm going to unfollow this person. Or if you believe this and you're on my feed, I'm going to not follow you anymore. And it's so funny because uh, regardless of those decisions those people make, you know, four or five years ago, no one knew any of these things about each other. Exactly. Right? right. And then now we're like, uh, we're like, what? You think, you believe that's true? You think that? You know, like, and it's, it's almost like it opened up this floodgate to kind of guide us into that, uh, you know what I mean? It's, like, It's really egocentric um, because really what it's doing is people are comparing themselves to everyone else and saying, well, you know, oh, what a terrible person because they believe that. And so what are you really saying? You're saying, oh, I'm such a great person because I believe this This, instead. You know? So I feel like in a way social media pumps up the the ego side or the self-conscious side of the person, um, maybe in some unhealthy ways if people are doing that. I I, I get on Facebook, I write some things, but I don't spend a lot of time on there. At one point in my life I did. I spent a lot of time on Facebook, social media, now I just don't really have that much interest in um, investing too much time on there. I'll scroll through, see people I'm close to and what's going on in their life. And uh, I enjoy keeping up with people, but I don't make it a many hour yeah, <laughs> experience like a lot of people do, though. I mean, some people spend their entire day in between essential tasks on social media and I just don't think that that's a very healthy uh, avenue for personal growth, but I'm not, but who's to say? Maybe it is. I mean, I used to do it too. And hey, maybe that contributed to things that happened in a positive way for me. So like there's no good or bad in it. It's just saying that like, uh, it's something to be aware of. It is something to be aware of. Especially comparing yourself to other people because that's ridiculous anyway because you don't really know them because most people don't even know themselves. So I know. Isn't that like, well, and then it's also still an illusion because especially if you're thinking about social media and, you know, what people put out there for the world to the, see. The we know is an that illusion, that's Melissa. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a hologram anyway. Right. I know. I. <laughs> Don't that, get me started more, on that. Maybe that's more Aquarian. I don't yeah. know. Well, no, I don't know. Well, maybe. Pisces and yeah. Aquarius. <laughs> I mean, I had that idea when I was super, like, really young, like six or seven. I had this idea in my mind that none of this was here, and this was just all, like, a hologram illusion. Like, well, it is. It, <laughs> I mean, and, but we, we experience it as though it's real, real so yeah. we have to, you know, approach it that way. Yes. Yes. It doesn't make, yeah, that realization doesn't make what we experience, you know, go away or any different. Um, if anything, it opened the mind to all the possibilities that this world truly is. It definitely, it definitely, like, definitely can change some things in a way because it changes your perspective. Yes. Um, but ultimately, you're still here. I mean, that was a big moment for me after I had this, like, huge shift in my awareness. And I was just, like, one with everything, emerging with the universe. And then one day, it just hit me. And I realized, but I'm still here. And so there must be a very good reason for it. And it is what it is. And I was like, that's what they really mean by that. And I just (laughs) laughed and laughed and laughed. And I just accepted it. I was like, okay, it is what it is. And regardless of what deeper truth about the hidden nature of reality or whatever, uh, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And so I better take it for what it is is, and deal with it. Otherwise, like... 
uh, the alternatives aren't really that great. Yeah, because I mean, the underlying truth can be absolutely right, but that doesn't change the fact that you have to navigate this earthly realm every single day. (laughs) The word and is very important. Yeah, that's funny. Well, you know, so what what have we talked about here? Everything. We've talked about a lot of things. Nothing. We didn't really, (laughs) everything and nothing. That's right, Pisces, at the same time. Well, before we go, let's let's just touch on the the full moon a little bit more, just because uh, it's interesting. The full moon is interesting because we already talked that it happens at zero degrees of of Virgo, and that the fact that we see the zero degree pattern or the start of the zodiac pattern, not zodiac, but sign each time uh, we ingress into a new sign, we have this full moon. It's like. Ta-da! Here's this new fresh thing. We're trying to protect this energy to move forward in this new space. But so we have this Virgo full moon. And so Virgo is disposed by Mercury, who's in also in Pisces. So we, we're coming back to Pisces with this energy. But next week is or the week that we're talking about here is fascinating because it's like Mercury is going to um Mercury's doing a bunch of things. Mercury is conjuncting Neptune. So that's adding stationing a, direct. Well, well, then yeah, that one. But then also, we'll station direct conjunct uh, conjunct Neptune, Neptune yeah. as well. That's an interesting key piece, actually, because we're getting a little foreshadowing yeah, at the exactly. time of this full moon, right? Uh, as far as our Mercury retrograde cycle is concerned, but Mercury is going to conjunct Neptune, is squaring Jupiter, which is the ruler of Pisces. So we have both the ruler of the moon and the ruler of the sun on the full moon in a tense aspect or an action-inducing aspect with one another. Um, And then Mercury will also sextile Saturn and Pluto. And so that sounds like a powerhouse of a pileup of outer, especially outer planets or like. It makes, it causes me to think of the tarot card temperance, Mm. which to temper something is like to temper a sword, right? Mm -hmm. And this to me feels like a moment of the hammer striking the sword and the sword being symbolic of truth, you know, the sword of truth. And it's in those moments of perceived tension where the sparks are flying that we gain our greatest sense of definition. Hmm. I like that. Well, and temperance is the card of Sagittarius. That's right. As we have that, uh, <laughs> that, that Sag influence coming in. I know, well, because immediately I thought Mercury and Neptune together, you know, that's... That sounds like a fog. It sounds like a pea soup. And then, is like, what's hey, a- <laughs> the steam from, you know, that's billowing out of the, the Smith's Forge, right? Yes. You know, we can build a whole analogy around this. We could. We could. So okay. are we are we forging our... Uh- We're forging our personalities in the fires of um, super consciousness to have a greater revelation of the truth of who we are always, but especially in this time period. Yeah. Well, and if we're having all these Mercury transits at the time that Mercury is essentially kind of guiding the guiding force to this full moon, uh, you know, there's a perception is being morphed a bit here and we're challenged intellectually to embody some of the things that we're talking about at this like new start and all these new full moons uh you know the week prior actually as we're taping this mars is conjuncting uranus which is closing out a whole year long or year long (laughs) longer than that closing out a very long cycle of uranus and aries it's the last conjunction that's going to be made 
So before Uranus moves into Taurus for good. So Mars and and Uranus are also bringing forth that that newness or the things that we've been working on for so long that now it's finally time to get. When is uh, Uranus ingressing into Taurus? Uh, That happens, I want to say, at that time of uh, at the time of the new moon. That's exactly what I was wondering. Yes. (laughs) So basically, March 5th through 6th, those are going to be some interesting I was really thinking about it. I was like, hey, that point's going to make a trine to zero degrees of Taurus, where Uranus is making that ingress. I wonder when that's happening. And Lo and behold, there it is. Yeah, there. That that's going to be a very interesting time. Ash Wednesday and Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras would be <laughs> very. That's interesting. Um, yeah, no, that is really interesting because it's the idea of um, themes. You know, I mean, because astrology is all about symbols and themes. Yeah, and being able to interpret those symbols really uh, determines whether you can. Do astrology or not. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> That's all we got with it, yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, our capacity to interpret the symbols and to understand the language of the cosmos is so key. And so, um, if you think about what would moon, what would, what would moon trine uh, Uranus be like? And that really speaks to this idea of even sudden uh, experiences that trigger our subconscious because mm. the moon is related yeah. to our subconscious. So, and Uranus is sudden, unexpected things. Although Mars uh, technically is the tower, right, in tarot, mm-hmm. uh, Uranus really speaks to me in that way too. I'm with you on that. And I think it's a combination of things, right? Yeah. Um, it, can be, it can be both in the sense that it's those sudden, unexpected events that uh, lead to some sort of awakening within ourselves where our subconscious is stirred and we awaken to the truth of our own projections and receive a, a moment of illumination. Mm. And what else is a full moon but an illuminating moment, especially yes. in the darkness of night. So there, there are great opportunities for, for all of us to uh, receive light but also to become aware of how we are using our light and putting our light to use, mm-hmm. the impact that it has in the world around us, and perhaps even gaining greater opportunities in a physical or material way to uh, be an enlivening, enlightening force in the world. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. No, I not that maybe. I think I think so. But right now we're still in that transitionary period. Totally. In many ways, uh, until we hit our our equinox there and and especially once mercury goes direct again and we can really start to kind of test drive a lot of uh what's kind of been underneath the surface for a little while here but we're still kind of moving through and adapting to certain things letting go of certain things transitioning points and so I guess let's just keep that in mind as we go through this full moon and in Pisces season in general that, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. It's more about uh, kind of wading through these waters for right now so we can kind of, you know, spiritually cleanse in a way and then move on to this, the birth of fresh energy that's to come. Yeah, everyone stop being so hard, hard on yourselves. You're running the world. Yeah. <laughs> so take that Virgo side. Take the Virgo side off. <laughs> Or then all that Capricorn, too. Oh, I know all about those. Well, it's kind of like the idea that, like, uh, with Virgo, you can tie the um, bandage around the wound, and that's great. But if you tie it too tight, you cut off 
um, blood flow and your arm's going to fall off. And so that's kind of an idea for this, I think. It's like um, that pressure, great, but too much, not so great. Yeah. Not enough, mm. not so great. And it's that Goldilocks moment of, okay, exactly the right amount of pressure, exactly what's necessary, but no more, no less. And finding that special point is really what we're all doing. But in a Virgo Pisces way, it's it's finding the balance between uh, being a ser- of service in the world and loving yourself enough to take care of yourself too. Mm your individual sense of self. And striking a balance there is really essential for Virgo Pisces because there's a tendency to go in one direction or the other. And I feel like oftentimes Pisces will run far in the direction of Virgo because they're so afraid of being themselves. And Virgo will do the same thing and run in the direction of Pisces rather than learning how to appreciate their unique perspective and ability to take in the world around them and uh, give the gift that they're here to give. Mm. It made me think about. It made me think about perfectionism uh, when we were just talking about because I think that's like a, a pitfall of of the polarity just in general. Um, because you know perfectionism doesn't exist, and as we have a full moon, we might be wanting perfect conditions in our lives in order to make transitions, and that's not always uh, you know something that is available to us. If anything, that is rarely the case. That everything perfectly aligns so that we can you know hop the bridge into what is next. No, we have to kind of work with what we got because if we stay in the this is what I've learned from my own Virgo Pisces polarity with the nodes and, and stuff is that mm-hmm. if I stay too much in that line sight of perfectionism, I end up feeling helpless because I can't attain that. Because it's a form of escapism. Yeah, and so I, why even try or why even do this or maybe even do, maybe even do all the work, but don't do the last thing, you know, because we are talking about mutable. So it is a transition, but it also can take us to, you know, wrap things up to, you know, fully start anew. And so, you know, if anybody wrestles with that during this full moon as we're we're making great strides in our lives and transitioning energy, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's about progress. And, and that's what's important here. Um, so don't give up if things aren't perfect, you know, <laughs> is well, what I say, I guess. Well, there's one more analogy I want to give for this because I feel like it's pretty, or it's important to me. Hmm. Um, and it's the idea of perfection and what that actually means. If you look it up in the dictionary, it means that something is complete. And whenever someone's a baby, and I think that I've mentioned this before too, but oh, I'm not just recycling a bunch of things I've already said, but who knows? Might just You've be said a lot now. of things at different times in your <laughs> life. It might have been here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But um, perfection just means completion, something being complete. And whenever, this is the example that came to me one day, and it really helped me to drive it home. And I realized that whenever a baby is learning how to walk and it falls down, we never think the baby is imperfect just because it didn't walk the first time it tried. No, the baby's still perfect. Uh, So what's really happening here is the baby is choosing to uh, flow with the experience of natural progress in life and to become what it's becoming. And so I think that, you know, getting hung up on the idea of some sort of idealized perfection is what messes everyone up rather than just accepting that everything is the way that it is for a very good reason, that it's all for the good of everything ultimately, 
even if we don't always see it or feel it or understand it, and just allow ourselves to jump into life and to dance with life and to say, okay, I'm always good enough because I'm always the best I'm ever going to be because there's nothing wrong with me, even if I don't hit the mark of my own ideals. Mm. I just want to leave it at that. I think well, I think that's a great piece of advice and something to take forward. Uh, not only this full moon, but Pisces season in general, because it's a positive, uplifting message, James. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, what haven't we talked about? We we loaded it up with all things. I I know we were talking about the polarity, but we really went on Pisces. We went to the Pisces deep end. <laughs> oh well, that's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for. I love it. All right. Well, speaking of where you are, where are you, James? Where can people find you? Um, Well, (laughs) I am now starting to get more back into the swing of actually working with people in a uh, spiritual capacity or energetic capacity. And I do not have my website website up yet again. But my email address, my personal email address is uh, James Wade. W-A-D-E-1988 uh, at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and send me a message, friend request, whatever. I'm not too discriminatory about those things. I tend to accept people. But if you'd like to be in touch, <laughs> you can uh, use those methods uh, or whatever it is that uh, works best for you. So yeah, it's pretty pretty Pisces and vague right now. Still, yes, I know. I like the Pisces. Hammering out the the details, tempering my experience a little bit, and deciding uh, some next steps for what I want to offer to everyone. Right now, I'm doing. Uh, I'm still. I'm actually uh, practicing astrology again in a more professional capacity, and also doing some energetic work with people some energy healing, things of that nature. So if anyone's interested in in a session with me, then please just be in touch and we can go from there. Yeah, I highly recommend. If you are interested, reach out to James because sometimes he just has a way. (laughs) I was like, I think it was Michael Luton that's like, when you you need a Pisces, you know, a Pisces will come into your life when you need them. And it's... I'm paraphrasing, and who knows if it was even him, but I always remembered that because it's true. It's like sometimes you just need a Pisces, and that's just the reality of it. And and James has fit that bill very nicely for me. <laughs> I have enjoyed it, so I highly recommend others reach out to him if you feel so inclined. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> All right. Well, where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, and I'll have my blog post up with James's information uh, as well as some of the things that we talked about here on the podcast. Um, and if you are interested in signing up to support the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. I have my Moon Animal Monthly uh, offering as well as my tarot subscription. You can get there by going to patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And like James, I also do consultations. So if you want to reach out and set something up, uh, energeticprinciples.com will get you there as well as a tip jar. If that's your thing, there is one just saying, uh, 
And if you like what you heard here today or you know a Pisces and they need to hear this, you know, share it with a friend. Give a good review on iTunes. Or a Virgo. Or a Virgo. Or a Virgo. Don't let's not discriminate. Throw the Sages in there, too. You know, <laughs> we did some Sag talk here. Maybe the Gemini's. Gemini's. Just get the mutable cross in here. Yeah, Gemini's needed to know the truth. <laughs> Don't keep this from them. Spread the good word. Um, because, you know, sharing is caring. So, all right, James, thank you so much for uh, joining me for this third time and just for being my friend in general. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. It's always a great pleasure. And you're one of the most wonderful gifts in my life. So, oh, thank you. I The... Uh, the sentiment is returned. <laughs> All right, everyone. And you're a great joy as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.